When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having a terrible week? Well, hang in there because we are back with your favorite Avatar The Last Airbender rewatch podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Muhammad, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Jacob Redman. Jacob, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, Zach. Uh, you know, I debated even showing up for this podcast. I thought we should get two impersonators to do it for us. Uh, I don't know who our impersonators would be, but I think it'd be pretty funny to uh, have like a bizarro version of this podcast done for us. Wouldn't that be nice if we could have just two impersonators doing it for us? I have a couple of friends who like to do impersonations of me that I think are terrible, but usually they generate laughs from other people. So, yeah, maybe I could have tapped in one of my homies to be the Zach impersonator. Well, we already know that Navi has a great impersonation of you. Uh, oh, true. So, honestly, <laughs> we, we should have tapped her to come in and, and uh, done the podcast on your behalf. Uh, it would have been It would have been an epic way to start the pod, but... You know, I guess, you know, us being here, not too bad. Yeah, true. I think people will be happy to hear us rather than our impersonators. So, yeah, uh, let's hope. Uh, I, I for sure am more happy to see Team Avatar after watching uh, this whole rigmarole of the Ember Island players. Uh, I appreciated the that, uh, the lack of overacting from our Team Avatar. It's It's great. Oh, true. The overacting. Man, that actress for Katara was like getting on my nerves. Not Katara herself, obviously, or Mae Whitman, but the play Katara. My goodness, all the crying and stuff. It was so bad to watch. I felt bad for Katara watching that. Yeah, I agree. They really did her dirty. I also thought that it was pretty funny that we had Grey Delil come in and do the acting for Katara. Uh, like the whatever. She was like the actor. Um, oh, I had, I had no idea that was Grey Delisle. That's wild. I should have looked that up on the Avatar wiki beforehand. Yeah, I, I was uh, pretty like uh, I don't know, not not impressed, but I, like I was taken back a little bit when I saw her name in the credits, and I was like, it wasn't for Azula, it was for actress Katara, and I was like, wait, what? That's that's wild. That's pretty impressive because her vocal range, it's like, it's not like, let's say, Vicky from Fairly Odd Parents or Azula. It's not like some evil girl boss. Instead, it's, um, just like this overacting, overdramatic, crying woman. So it's like a different character than what she usually plays, I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was, uh, it was quite good. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the character is very annoying, but the voice acting was, uh, pretty impressive. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, yes, we are here to talk about Ember Island players. You know, we've recapped this entire podcast, so why not do a recap episode on the recap episode? Here we are to talk to you about an episode of Avatar, which I really liked, uh, you know, when I thought back on it. But I don't think it holds up very well, especially when you're doing a week to week rewatch like we are. 
Yeah, I agree. It's like we already we've recapped the whole series, so we didn't necessarily need the recap. We've podcasted for like two hours on every episode. <laughs> so, yeah, I know what you mean when you say it doesn't hold up on a week to week rewatch podcast. It was OK. It was enjoyable. But for this to be the episode before the finale, I don't know. I you, you, I feel like you kind of want a little bit more fireworks to set up the finale or something a little more exciting rather than just the main actors going to watch a play yeah i kind of like that it's a you know i like its placement in the season i like that it's like a time where like you know they're about to go on this big fight we're about to have essentially four episodes of action like four Mm -hmm. episodes where there's like action in each uh in each of the episodes i kind of like that they just decide like oh hey you know instead of having extra action here extra tense stuff here we're just gonna have like a sort of uh, you know, a day in the life of these people, like see what they are like in a totally different environment. Um, so I don't mind that. I just feel like, uh, you know, the jokes were, were fine. Uh, I feel like the best joke is when Sokka talks to Sokka, uh, and he like laughs so much at his jokes. I thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, if if you're going to pull this episode off, it has to be way funnier. I agree. I agree. And even the actor for Sokka with his like, I'm starving. I, like that, that was kind of a meme. Like I didn't think it was that funny. I did enjoy the introduction of Toph and it's like her, we'll talk about it, but her actor screaming instead of, of the way he communicates was pretty hilarious. So we'll get into all of it before we start the recap. We should just let everybody know. So just a reminder, we're doing the finale in two parts. So we're going to do the first half of the finale. So the first two episodes of the finale next week to recap and the week after that, we'll do episodes three and four of the finale. So that's how we're doing it. We're breaking it up into two halves and uh, yeah, that's it. Just thought I'd let everybody know before we start the podcast. So get your feedback in for the first two parts of the finale next week. Yep. Uh, Yes, definitely get your feedback in. We're excited to go through the finale uh yeah and and also get your rankings in for the two episodes as well yeah sweet i saw a couple of people already sent in their rankings so good job for being early I, yeah people are on top of it uh you yeah. know way more on top of it than i am on most <laughs> almost anything that i'm doing i'm very impressed uh, so thank you for that um yeah. but anyway so now we can uh jump in the episode anything else we should discuss before we get right in no i think we talked about all everything we needed to talk about cool um, so we uh, open the episode and we're at the Fire Lord's beach house uh, as Aang and Zuko are doing their fire bending. Uh, it's pretty funny that they're at the Fire Lord's house and Zuko's like, yeah, like this is like the safest place to, to be. Like no one's going to expect us to be here. I thought that was like pretty smart as soon as they like, because whenever they pan there, I was like, well, aren't they going to have like some guards there? And I was like, no, it's probably the one place that's unguarded. Yeah, and then Katara says it's like she's like, oh, it's odd that we're hiding for the Fire Lord in our own in his own house. And then Zuko's like, it's fine because his family hasn't been there since they were happy, which is kind of depressing to think about. <laughs> I yeah, thought that he, was actually one of the funnier lines of the episode, to be honest. Yeah, he definitely could have said uh, something that was like, I guess, a less personally revealing way of saying what he said. But hey, uh, that's what we get. Zuko is is really feeling the emotions here. Um, yeah. Anyway, then Sokka bursts in and we see that there's a play about the the people. Uh, there's a play about Team Avatar. Um, Sokka and Suki apparently saw it as they were going around town. And I have to say, this is much better than the last time that Sokka got obsessed with something in town, which was either the runaway 
or his uh, silly messenger hawk that we never hear from again. Oh, yeah, true. Rest in peace, Hockey. One of the worst names for a pet ever. <laughs> Wait, rest in peace? You think Hockey's dead? Uh, no, no, no. He's not dead. But I, I have a tendency to say rest in peace to anything, even when they're not necessarily dead. So that's just a bad habit on my part. Okay, good. I was like, that's that's not okay. I don't know that we're going <laughs> to be talking about Hockey dying this morning. I, I was not ready for that emotionally. Yeah, no worries. Hockey's probably still alive. He probably right. has a bunch of hawk children and is living the dream life. See, that's the kind of fantasy that I want. Thank you, Zach. You're welcome. Um, uh, I have a description for the play here. So, The Boy in the Iceberg is a new production from acclaimed playwright Pooh Tim, who scoured the globe gathering information on the Avatar from the icy South Pole to the heart of Bossing Say. His sources include singing nomads, pi- pirates, prisoners of war, and a surprisingly knowledgeable merchant of cabbage. I have a question for you, Jacob. Who are these prisoners of war he talked to, and who are the nomads? I know the pirates are from the waterbending scroll. That yeah, so pick up on. the the nomads are probably the the secret tunnel people. Oh, uh, yeah, is my yeah. guess is like they're the people that were singing. The prisoners of war either could be like Haru, like that gang of people. It could be like uh, you know other people imprisoned from the Fire Nation camp. Like uh, it could be like you know Bato. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's Bato. I don't know if he's spilling all the secrets. Could be wrong. I, as somebody who's crapped on Bato a lot, I don't think Bato's the type of guy to tell everybody what the Avatar's doing, but well, could be wrong. We'll, we'll get into this a little bit, but I actually think that like one of the people is, uh, like one of the people in Team Avatar did talk to this merchant at some point. That like they have information that is way too, or sorry, not the merchant, the playwright. They, they have information that's like way too confidential that they could only have gotten from Team Avatar. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe he was just like spying on them from afar, like visiting a city like the day after they visited it. Maybe he was just following them the way Zuko was for season one. Who knows? Because you're right. Pretty, he has some personal information here. That would be pretty funny if he was able to follow them along better than Zuko was. Like he was able to stay on their tail, like completely unseen that would have been pretty funny yeah anyways let's continue here so they enter the theater and then ang has this like awkward moment with zuko because he wants to sit next to guitar he tells zuko like oh can i sit there then he just like gives up but then ang's giving off like big simp energy here i feel like yeah this was not a good look from ang i thought that ang looked pretty pathetic where he's like but i wanted to sit there it's like (laughs) dude get over it like uh, I don't know, man. Like you've been uh, you've been around this girl like for years now. You you have to sit next to her at the play. Come on. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like who cares? Even Zuko's like, what's the big deal? Like, why why can't I just sit here? Yeah. Um, also, like they should have spread out. Like, yes, they got one box or whatever, but they should have like gotten different seats all around so they aren't like a bunch of kids who like suspiciously all walk in together. I think it would look way less suspicious if they all spread out. None of them sat next to each other. Like, they should not be sitting next to each other one bit. True. And I'm kind of shocked Zuko doesn't get recognized by, like, a random Fire Nation denizen. I'm always shocked by this, how nobody, like, because Zuko just a few episodes ago was given, like, a speech to the, not a speech to the Fire Nation, but, like, they had that whole gathering with Lo and Lee in front of the whole Fire Nation. And he was, like, very visible and prominent there. So I'm just shocked nobody recognizes him except for the one kid who tells him his scar's on the wrong side. 
Yeah, I mean, he probably probably just looks like an obsessive fanboy at this point. They're like, they're like, oh man, like you're so into the show that you dressed up for it. Like, I don't know. He he does seem a little bit old to do that, but I feel like this is one of the one places that you could go with the scar, and people wouldn't be like, wait a second, like why why are you dressed up like Zuko right now? Yeah, that's a fair point. You're 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 right. I guess people at this play aren't going to be saying like, oh, why are you dressed up as Zuko? Because everyone's dressed up like Zuko. So yeah. Uh, Toph makes a comment here where uh, she says that she can't see anything because she's in the nosebleed section and that her feet can't see anything from up there. Why is that true? Like, why can't she just like feel the box, which hits the back of the wall, which hits the floor, which hits the stage? Like, why does she need to be on the ground floor to be able to see? I don't know. I'm not a science man, but my guess is like the sound waves will dissipate by the time they hit the nosebleeds and she won't be able to feel it. I think she would, if she was on the, like, if she was on the floor next to the stage, I'm just trying to picture in my head if I was like blind in the theater, I feel like it would be much easier for her to see if she was like front row, but anywhere else she would be struggling. So I can see why she struggles with the nosebleeds. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess that makes some sense. Uh, yeah, because I'm trying to picture like how her sight works. And it seems like if people are quiet enough, she'd be able to see. But maybe it's just like there's too much incidental noise. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> think so. You know what? I, I accept that. I accept that uh, that explanation. I'm shocked I was able to come up with a scientific explanation. I'm probably completely wrong, too. I'm just talking out of my ass. I have no idea if I'm right or wrong. Hey, so. it seems right. You know, <laughs> dissipating sound waves like that sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, true. Anyway, so then we get the intro to the show. Uh, we start at the South Pole, uh, where we're introduced to the Katara and Sokka that we'll be seeing acting here. Um, both of them are like considerably, considerably older uh, than like they are in the actual show. Like, I, like both of these people look like they could be parents. Yeah, yeah, they look way older. You're absolutely right. And it's just like, how do you like the casting here? I think they did. I think they did a bad job casting. I feel like Katara is a little. She doesn't necessarily look like Katara at all. She looks a little different. Sokka is a little too. I don't know. Gaunt in the face. I feel like he's just a little lean for to play Sokka. I don't know. What did you think of the casting here? Yeah, I think the Sokka casting is pretty good actually because you need to you need to know that like they're trying to make the person look like Sokka all the way back in the nosebleeds at least for the people who aren't tough. And so you kind of need someone who's a little bit more exaggerated. I thought the Sokka casting was pretty solid. I think okay. the Katara casting was abysmal. Um, you know, that they could have done so many better things to get Katara cast in there. Uh, I was pretty disappointed. But uh, yeah, and then and then we get like the acting, which is just like so bad. Like, uh, you know, she's saying like she starts off with the the play with a line like, we're roaming the icy South Pole and we never find anything fulfilling. And like, it's just so dramatic. It's so over the top that I really was not able to enjoy it. Yeah, I have it in my notes. It's like Katara, the Katara actor says some meaningful, meaningless drivel about never finding anything fulfilling. And it just like, I don't know, just so empty and hollow to me that her acting, it was like depressing to watch. Yeah. I, what Do you think that this is based on anything? Because it seems like throughout the the like different um the different like things that we've seen the different journeys that she's gone on the way that i would say katara is is more like motherly like they could have played her as like the the you know overbearing mom 
much better than they could have played her as the like obsessed with hope. I feel like the only time she's been like so much into hope was like the imprisoned speech where we dubbed her uh, like MLK. Yeah, I feel like if anything, it's even Aang who's the one who's more into hope. Like if we're talking about, I think it's the episode with the, they go in the tunnel and then they come out and the, shoot, the refugee couple has the baby named Hope, the serpents pass. That's an episode where Aang is always t- is talking a lot about hope and stuff. So yeah, Katara is not one to give like these preachy speeches. I feel like when has she ever done anything like this? It's like not true to her character at all. At least Sok- the Sokka actor being like, oh, I'm starving is like kind of true to Sokka's character. So yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure even Sokka calls himself the meat and sarcasm guy at one point. Like, it, it at least rings true to the caricature that we know of Sokka. The guitar yes. just didn't seem real at all. Um, it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, the then uh, we get introduced, or we get the first uh, like bad Sokka joke here. Um, and Sokka hearing like real Sokka hearing actor actor Sokka's jokes uh, was so upset about it. He was like, "My jokes are way funnier than this," and he gets all he gets all pissed off. Um, I was I was surprised. I thought this like first Sokka joke was kind of funny. Yeah, it wasn't bad. So the guitar actor is like, oh, I can never find anything fulfilling. And then the Sokka actor is like, I just want a full feeling in my stomach. I'm starving. <laughs> I like his like his, his punchline of just I'm starving. I don't know why that's his punchline. I mean, because like that really is like season one of uh, Sokka is like he talks about food all the time. No, it's true. It's true. That's a lot more true to the character than the Katara actress. So I think you're right about that. Yeah. And just then we get this like long drawn out speech from Katara. Katara gives this whole thing, um, like really the, a drawn out speech, pretty terrible. Um, real Katara is pretty upset about it. And, uh, you know, Toph is loving the whole thing. Toph, this episode is having an absolute blast. I'm not sure that she enjoys any part of the Team Avatar journey more than this show. Yeah, Toph just happy seeing everyone's character just being a character assassination on stage here. She just doesn't, she's happy witnessing everyone just suffering at the hands of this playwright, basically. She just doesn't care. Yeah, no, she, uh, she does not care one bit. And I think the twist that they have whenever she gets introduced is even funnier. Uh, I thought that joke landed really well, but yeah, I think that's the highlight of the episode for me. So I'm excited to yep. get into that. Um, anyway, so then they have this whole discussion where there's a kid in the iceberg for a hundred years. And the fact that they jump ahead to a hundred years really made me happy, uh, that they just immediately know, okay, it's been a hundred years. This kid's the avatar. Like they, they flew by all of that stuff, which I'm really happy about. Yeah, I'll give the playwright Puyon Jin credit here. He um he summarizes the series quite well. He's able to concisely tell the story in a whole in a like three hour play. So kudos to him. Yeah, um, I thought it was pretty impressive. Uh, then we get introduced to Aang. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the actor of Aang. Uh, I feel bad for Aang here having a woman playing him because you see Aang, he's so excited to see who's about to play him. And then it comes out that he's being played by a female. That that sucks for Aang. It's like he didn't he did not want that at all. But I think she kind of looks like him, to be honest. So I don't think it's the worst casting. Yeah, I, I actually thought this was good casting. I thought that they did a good job. You know, in Peter Pan, uh, the musical, they have, um, you know, a female play Peter Pan. Uh, they have like a like a woman. I 
think that it's like typically like a, a teenage woman played Peter Pan. And I think it's like a very good way to cast that show. I feel like the best way to cast this show is to have Aang played by a kid as well. Um, the only thing that it makes a little bit awkward is the age difference between like Katara and Sokka and Aang is like apparent. Um, yeah. But other than that, I think that uh, I think that it was like a pretty good job. Yeah, no, I thought it was pretty good casting myself. I just felt bad because Ang looks like so dejected and like morose once he sees the casting. So my heart yeah. just felt for him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think that um yeah, that Ang himself is pretty upset about it, but I thought the casting was actually solid. So yeah. I I was a fan of it. I agree. Um yep. Anyway, so then uh, we have Katara saying that she's going to tear bend. That's how sad she is. Uh, is tear bending one of the the canonical uh, sub bendings? I don't think it's canonical at all. I mean, they probably can tear bend. Katara probably could tear bend. To be fair, is uh, can you tear bend because your stomach is so empty? Is that a thing that happens? No, not really. You know, when I get hungry, uh, you know, I don't typically get sad. I typically would get like uh, very antsy or very like upset. Um, like I would get like on edge. Like if something happened and I was hungry, I'd get upset. So maybe I could fire bend uh, through my through my hunger. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I could have. I, I was so hungry when I came home from work last night. I'm surprised I didn't start tear bending on the spot. Wow. That that'd be quite a lot. Um, so I like I ordered food. Uh, this was I think Sunday night. Um, I ordered food and I was like so excited to get my DoorDash, uh, and then they canceled like ten minutes. Like as as they were supposed to be driving with my food to my house, they canceled, and I got so upset. I was like, "What are they going to do with that food now? Like they could dr- at least drive it to my house." And then I tried to order from the place again, but then they were closed. I mean, it really was, it really was a terrible way. So I guess I can, I can appreciate that a little bit. I almost tear bent there as well. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the biggest first world problem I've ever talked about. <laughs> True. That is a first world problem. Oh, well, <sighs> I'm so upset about it. Um, anyway, so then, uh, yeah, we see Sokka and, uh, Aang, they, they have this like little banter back and forth. Uh, for some reason, the, the actor that's playing Aang is just like a complete jokester, but all of the jokes are just terrible. Yeah, what does she call herself? An impulsive trickster or something like that? I think it was something prankster. Prankster, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I feel like prankster is something that I used to identify as. Um, my mom used to find me whenever I would scare her because I, I would love to like hide somewhere and pop out and scare her, like pull an April Fool's prank on her. To where she would just charge me money to get me to stop. Um, so she said, if I scare her again, I owe her $500. And that got me to never do it again because I don't want to pay her that much money. Damn, that's a lot of money. I remember in acting class, I had a Russian friend and I would always hide behind the curtain and scare him. And then one day he was like, you stupid chocolate, which is kind of like a little racist, but <laughs> a little racist. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's just straight up racist. Yeah, it wasn't great, but I don't know. He was a nice guy. Like he he struggled with English, I think. So that was like what he what he came up with. <laughs> I can't <laughs> imagine what he was gonna try to say then if that's what he struggled to come up with. That's terrible. 
Um, pretty bad. well, but I used to, I used to have fun scaring him a lot. So yeah. I, I guess don't scare people. That's what they, uh, <laughs> that's what they teach you. <laughs> don't scare people. It brings out a dark side of them. Yes. Yeah, I know it, it brings out my mom, like charging me money and it brings out this random Russian kids racism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. That's, uh, <laughs> that's not good at all. Um, anyway, we also, uh, so now we cut to, uh, uncle Iroh and Zuko here. Um, we see Uncle Iroh is also obsessed with food. Uh, you know, this one rings a little bit more true, I think, than the, uh, than the Sokka one. Like, Uncle Iroh does talk about food quite a bit. Um, but I don't know, like, to have two characters have a bit of, like, I like food just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I don't know what the playwright's doing here. I think you're right. I think only one person should have that bit. And if anything, it should be Sokka. Because, like, Iroh talks about food and stuff, but more so is Iroh not more about teas? Like, shouldn't he be talking about tea and drinking tea and all that? Like, it would have been if they had Iroh, like, if they beat it over the head with him drinking the tea and, like, he's drinking tea at every scene, that would make more sense than him shoving his face with this cake. Yep, I I very much agree with with that. Uh, The one thing that I think they nailed pretty well is Zuko. Uh, I guess aside from the fact that the scar's on the wrong side, that's, like, pretty inexcusable. Um, but one of his first lines is I must capture the avatar to regain my honor. And when I tell you that I dropped my phone when I was taking notes, I got so excited. I was like, wow, they captured him so well. They got him exactly right. This is exactly Zuko. I was so, so excited. Yeah, yeah, they got Zuko pretty well. I, it's I find it interesting how they use like they put a, a cap on the actor and then they painted the scar over the cap, and I thought that was interesting rather than just painting the scar on the actor's face. Yeah, there's no way that's easier. Like, there's not a chance in the world that it's easier to paint the cap because like he has different hairdos at some point, so then you need different caps. Like, if you just painted his face, then all you would need is the one face paint. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but oh well, Puyon Tim knows better than us. Yeah, oh, he also did the the costume design? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he did the costume design, but I just assume he's in charge of the pl- everything, all the play goings on, so. Okay, I didn't know he was like full service, you know, I knew he's the playwright, but he also does costume design, does he do lighting? <laughs> I don't know if he's on the lights. Who okay. knows? They do flash to like stage heads here and there. And there's this like old man behind the scenes controlling everything. I wonder if that's the director himself. Just I himself. think it's just one stage hand, right? Because we keep seeing this poor old man having to do so many things. Like there are other people that are dressed in like all black to do like essentially like uh like dance when they're doing the the different bending. But the only old man that, or the only like stagehand we see is this old man who's really working overtime. Yeah, maybe that is the director. Who knows? Man, Puyan Tim, full service guy. Yeah. So you, I found it funny when the Iro actor offers the Zuko actor a slice of cake, and then he's like, "I have no time for a cake because I must capture the avatar to regain my honor." And then the Iro actor's like, "In that case, I'll capture another slice." And then he just starts like eating the whole cake, like he just brings the whole cake to his face and starts munching on it. I thought that was pretty wild. He didn't even cut a slice. He just starts like eating the cake like it's like a pie that you throw in someone's face. Yeah, I thought that this was like pretty gross, actually. Like, uh, the, <laughs> like even like let's just say for the actor himself, that is just like a nasty thing that you have to do on stage every day. So I'm not sure that I'd really like doing that. 
No, uh, yeah, covered in cake after. I've acted in plays before, and it's like, yeah, the make getting the makeup off isn't fun, especially when you're a mess like that. Yeah, I definitely think that, uh, you know, the worst way to go would be cake all over your face. But, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, the makeup's not great. The cake would be much worse. Yeah, cake would suck. I completely agree. Um, yeah, I do think it is actually weird, though, now that you mention it, that he talks about, like, his love of cake and not his love of tea. Like, I wonder why he got that thing wrong. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the day he was snooping on Iroh, he just witnessed Iroh eating a slice of cake and assumed that was his whole personality. Who knows? Huh, maybe. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, like, uh, in the actual Avatar movie, that he's obsessed with cake much more than he is with tea. So maybe, uh, maybe Poo Young Tim accidentally watched the movie. In the movie, he eats cake? I don't remember this at all. Maybe I just blacked out the movie from my memory. <laughs> I don't know, because I don't remember that. Uh, Uncle Iro, as they call him in the movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he liked the cake there, but maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I, I actually I I remember it pretty well. Let me see if I can find this. No, I believe I believe you. I'm just saying I don't remember it because I've just like repressed the whole movie. It's just like one deep repressed memory at this point. Well, that's probably for the best, honestly. <laughs> um all right. Well, we can I'll I'll try to look it up as we're uh, as we're talking. But uh anyway, they uh they're going through and they're like uh you know going back and forth. Katara like does not understand empathy at all because uh Zuko's upset about his uh you know portrayal here. And Katara's like, actually I think they got you pretty spot on. But like no less than two minutes ago was she upset that her portrayal was so bad. So I don't really get it. She's gotta find some way to uh to have some empathy. I think Katara's just like never shy to take a dig at Zuko. Like even though they've kissed and made up, like not literally kissed, obviously. I, but yeah, when you said that, I was like, wait, what? No, they didn't. Like, Did I miss that scene? <laughs> no, like, no, 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 not literally. So I just times. meant like they they made up and they had in the last episode they had the whole Southern Raiders stuff, so they're on good terms. But I think Katara is just like she's just never shy to take like a dig at Zuko. That's all. Yeah, well, makes sense. Uh, she really takes her shot here. Uh, okay, well, now they get to the Southern Air Temple, and this is one of the things I want to talk about, is sure. that there is no way that they could have known that Momo was at the Southern Air Temple unless Aang, uh, Katara, or Sokka said this. Because there's no reason to think that Momo was not also in the iceberg with them. Huh. yeah, I did not think of this. You are absolutely correct. Okay, so who was it? Was it Aang, Katara, Sokka? That mentioned this to this playwright? Yeah. Um, I think he probably overheard Sokka talking about it. That's my guesstimate. That does, that, that tracks. Um, but anyway, like, I just thought that it was crazy that, like, there's no way that they could have known this information unless one of the three was actually there. Yeah, well, how do they know about, like, Jet dying? They know a lot of weird that, stuff. That, okay, that's the next one. Like, they know that Jet died. They also know the conversation between Katara and Zuko in the, like, in the, uh, like, cavern or whatever. Like, these are things, This these are pieces of information that they could not know unless, like, Katara or Sokka told them explicitly. Yeah, I want to get Puyon Tim's sources. I want to know who he's been talking to to get these, like, secret juicy details. I, I hear ya. We gotta, we gotta get to the bottom of this. Yeah, true. <laughs> so we see the uh, actress for Ang find Momo, and then the actress shows off her dimensions because the Momo is revealed to be a puppet. So she does some ventriloquism. 
Yeah, this was impressive. You know, I'm not a huge fan of ventriloquists. There's actually one on TikTok right now. And she's like extremely, extremely impressive. Like I cannot tell when she's speaking. Well, like I can hear it obviously, but like I can't like see any of the letters uh, that she's saying like with her mouth. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of ventriloquism. I just think it's a creepy medium. Really? I always kind of liked it. I feel like it, when it's done well, it's very impressive. Like when the, you can, t- you can't tell the actors talking at all. Like I remember there was this guy on America's Got Talent, which I used to watch when I was a kid and he used to sing full songs with puppets and he would like do a great job and he would, and you couldn't even like see his mouth moving at all. And he ended up winning. I'm pretty sure. I forget his he name. His name was like, yeah. He would sing full songs with the puppets. That? Okay. That now he just impressive. has like a Vegas Broadway show or something like that. Is it Jeff Foxworthy? No, his name was like Terry Fader or something like that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jeff Foxworthy went to my high school. Jeff Foxworthy? Is that a? He's a comedian, right? Didn't he host? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Uh, I think so. Didn't he have? Th- this is now going off the rails. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he's the one who had uh, who has like ventriloquists. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely has, like, puppets and stuff. Oh, he's the one with puppets? Isn't that Jeff Dunham? Mm. Oh, or is yeah, that maybe. just another guy with puppets? I have no idea. We should get <laughs> We're just talking about these puppeteers. We're going off the rails. I know. This is this is going, this is going uh, south quickly. I'm sure we're going to get comments that's like, what are you talking about? Like, how are you so wrong? Oh, no, you are right. It is Jeff Dunham. Yeah, yeah, I figured. Okay, um. Thanks. We'll continue here. So we see Sokka in the Kyoshi Warrior garb. And I'll give the director and the play credit here, or the playwright here, whoever did the costume design nailed the Kyoshi Warrior outfit. It looks exactly like the Kyoshi Warriors. Yeah, I did think uh, there is a chance that maybe like uh, whenever Azula beat Suki, they took the Kyoshi Warrior garb and they actually used the real stuff because this looked like spot on. Yeah, yeah. It just looked absolutely spot on. You're right. (laughs) They had absolutely no errors with this. They couldn't even get Zuko's scar right on the right side of his face, but man, do they nail the uh do they nail the Kyoshi Warrior? Yeah, this was like the best outfit of the whole play, I feel like. So they yeah. they, they just absolutely nailed it. I I agree with that. Uh the next thing we see is the Boomy uh the Boomy episode. That I thought was hilarious because they have all of the things going on at once. So we have like Flopsy, like attacking Sokka. We have Katara in that, uh, that like a gym thing. Uh, and then Aang's like trying to get the key. Like all of these things were happening at once. And I was like, this is such chaos, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I like how the man playing Boomy is just in like a muscle suit rather than they couldn't cast like anybody to match Boomy's ridiculous physique. So instead, they just put like a muscle suit on an actor and some googly eyes. So I found that pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a pretty good job of doing it, though. Like that they did like, uh, you know, what they needed to do to be able to capture the the essence of Boomy. So it was it was pretty impressive. Um. Sure. Um, yeah, it was very impressive, honestly. Um, yeah, so then the next thing we see is uh, Team Avatar getting attacked by pirates. Uh, they steal the waterbending scroll. Um, they, they did this pretty effectively. They didn't really have many jokes here. Um, I don't know. I Not, not too much. Uh, any comments on the, on the pirate uh, aspect of it? 
no, not really. Um, what ends up happening is Katara is like, oh, that waterbending scroll gave me so much hope. And then she starts crying again for no reason, which was just, ah, uh, that bothered me. Just get to see Katara just crying again, tear bending again. And then we see the blue spirit scene done in like a less than accurate fashion because Zuko is the one who has Aang captured, not, um, what's his face? Not, um, um, Admiral Zhao. Admiral Zhao, thank you. Thank you yeah. for saving me there in the clutch. No worries. You know, you saved me on the Jeff Dunham thing. I, I owed you one. <laughs> Admiral Zhao. And then we see the blue spirit come in and save Aang. And the blue spirit costume is so weird. So the mask basically covers the actor's whole body, and it's so big that the Aang actor is able to jump on its head. Yeah, it was really odd looking. Um, I like. They, it was an interesting way to do it because it was very caricature like, um, but it just was it was weird. I wonder why they like settle on that. Um, it also is curious that like even though you know Zuko's been disgraced and like regained his honor and blah blah blah, that they still don't know who the Blue Spirit was. Like I could, I kind of would have expected that this would be public knowledge by now. Yeah, no, I, I I agree completely. I'm surprised that they didn't know Zuko was a blue spirit and they didn't have Admiral Zhao capturing Aang instead of Zuko. So weird retelling of the story. Maybe it's just too many actors to throw in. <laughs> Maybe, but they ca- don't they cast Admiral Zhao later? I guess not because they just have like the toy of Admiral Zhao getting like thrown and stomped on. Yeah, they don't Aang have to pay the, the toy union up. fees. <laughs> True, you're right about that. Um, have you ever been in a show that's this sort of thing? No, I've never been anything like this. I was never, I was never done. I didn't do too much theater. The only theater I really did when I was grade 11, we did a play called Black Hearts and Bearded Ladies, which was kind of fun, but it wasn't the most like crazy production ever. It was just like a generic high school production. Nothing too fancy. What, what is Black Hearts and Bearded Ladies? I barely remember it, to be honest. It was basically like there was these robbers of bearded ladies. And then I was playing this old man who just like lives in a hotel. And then they were like staying at the hotel. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, they steal bearded ladies. No, they don't steal. They are bearded ladies that like steal stuff. So they're like robbers. The bearded ladies were like a band of robbers. Okay, a band of robbers that are the bearded ladies, and then they go back to the hotel that you run. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. Why do they go back to a bed and breakfast? Why don't they, like, have a house? I don't know. I guess they're just on the run. Okay. They just had to stay at a hotel. Yeah. Good to know. (laughs) It was pretty fun to do. Oh, that was my first time, like, ever really acting, so it was a fun time. Yeah, it sounds like a good time. Um, all right, well, let's see if uh, we can spot the bearded ladies and the Ember Island players. <laughs> all right, let's do it up. One thing was cool about acting, I got to wear a dress for the first time. I'd never okay. worn a dress prior to that, so. That's good. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. It was cool. Yeah. Dresses are nice because, uh, like, I don't know, it's like free flowing it's uh yeah it's it's very okay first off they're way easier to put put on than i thought they would be Mm -hmm. um i also had to wear a dress for a show one time so they're way easier to put on than i thought they would be and once you're in one it's just like you just feel like oh you can do anything like it feels more athletic than like athletic shorts because there's (laughs) nothing that's yeah true i should wear a dress the next time i go out and play ball i'll just be in a dress balling on fools I mean, imagine the range of motion you'd have, as long as it's a short dress. 
True. The issue would be like trying to do a through the legs crossover with a long dress would be hard. It, it would be pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Um, but just imagine the range of motion. Plus you get the shock factor. Like people would be like, what the heck is he doing? Then uh, <laughs> might be able to, you know, get, get one over on them when they're not giving their all. True. True. I'm excited to try this out next time I go out. There's all sorts of benefits here to the, the hooping dress, <laughs> the hooping dress <laughs> title of the episode, the hooping dress, the hooping dress. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, no hoop and dress here. The next thing that we get is Jet and Jet, his portrayal is pretty bad. I feel like they could have left him out. Uh, this is one of the questions that I had for you later, Zach, was what, what thing could they have left out from this show that wouldn't have changed it at all? I feel like the Jet they could have just gotten rid of. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think they casted Jet particularly well. He doesn't look like Jet at all. He doesn't look particularly badass or anything like that. They were able, they cut out the Great Divide. So you're right. Why couldn't they just cut out all the Jet stuff? Yeah. I mean, they cut out the Great Divide in a way that I thought was pretty funny. Um, The Jet stuff they have here, I think just to make like Aang a little bit jealous um, because like, like Jet's like, oh, you know, don't worry, baby. Uh, and Katara is like, oh, you're so bad. And it's like, all right, like I'm I'm over this. Yeah, they really beat you over the head with the fact that, oh, Katara doesn't like Aang and sees him like a brother throughout yes. this play. Yeah, they're like, oh, hey, just so you know, uh, Katara does not like Aang. She does not like him. And it's like, got it. Like we we get, we get this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so then uh, we see. The Great Divide, they look at it, they're like, oh, okay, let's keep going. Uh, no need to stop down there. Uh, as a nice little joke <laughs> towards uh, the fact that the Great Divide episode just needed needed not exist. Yeah, it's a good joke because it was one of the more poorly reviewed episodes at the time. But I still think the Great Divide's underrated. It's not that bad. Like, it's definitely not the worst episode of season one. We all know what that belongs to, and I don't even need to say it at this point. No, no. I mean, anyone who's listening, it's clear to them uh, what your least favorite season one episode is. I agree. I do think that the the season one episode, the Great Divide, it gets a lot of flack. It's not as bad as uh, you know as it had or as as a reputation is uh yeah and uh we had a really good podcast about that episode with amon adwin that i really enjoyed recording yes that was quite fun yeah i do think that like when i'm looking back on the episodes part of what i like about them is the people that we've recorded with so like anytime that we've had a guest like that episode automatically bumps its way up quite a bit so that's not really fair to the episode but um definitely uh yeah definitely a, a boon to that episode that's true in most cases for me, except the fortune teller. Like, even though we had a great time with Audrey on that podcast, I just didn't like that episode. See, I really did like that episode. In fact, yeah, I I'm know because you sad. love that. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Oh, no worries. I, I'm a little sad that the fortune teller didn't make its way into the uh, recap. I feel like that would have been a good one to recap. <laughs> I can see why they didn't include it. Add who, add woo, your favorite joke. See, if that joke was in there, oof. It, it would have killed it. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, because they we get the first five episodes recapped like pretty faithfully, uh, and then like from there it gets like very very sparse. And I feel like they should have included the fortune teller. I feel like that's a good uh, good one to show. But oh well. Yeah. Um, oh well. They ended oh, up not showing it. The other thing that we should have talked about was uh, Appa's betrayal in this. Appa's like essentially like a, a huge spirit, uh, like one of the like lions um, in like a, a Chinese New Year festival. 
I really, I thought it was really pretty. I really liked Appa, um, like the way that they portrayed Appa. Because obviously they can't have like a huge flying bison in the theater. Yeah, I like the fact that they portrayed him like one of these Chinese New Year's festivals dragons. No, it was a beautiful portrayal, honestly. That, that again, besides the the Kiyoshi Warrior outfits, that might be like the most true thing the playwright did or the whoever's in charge of costume design in this case. Oh, it's Puyong Tim. He does it all. Full service. Full service, <laughs> Full service baby, for Puyong Tim. Let's get it. Yep. Um... Anyway, all right. So then the next thing we get is we get Sokka and Yue. Uh, we see the actors on stage and Suki's laughing about it the whole time. Suki thinks it's hilarious. Uh, meanwhile, Sokka's like almost in tears, like crying about how sweet this is, like not able to like, you know, decide to like, uh, you know, make a joke with Suki. Uh, he's really torn up about this Yue girl. I'm not sure he should be with Suki. I've been saying that since the beginning. I think he's still like, I thought it was weird of him to even be interacting with Yue when he still had Suki and vice versa. I don't know. I think he's still got feelings for Yue. Honestly, I've, I've thought that for a while, but I, he seems to be content with Suki. So at least he's happy. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, one fun piece of uh, trivia here is that the person that plays uh, Suki also voices the actor Yue um, in the show. So uh, when Sokka's being all upset, he's actually upset over the same voice actor. Oh, I did not know that. That's cool. I thought that it was uh, a pretty funny way to a pretty funny way to like slip that little joke in there as well. Yeah, and then he, they have the joke of "You're the only woman to take my mind off of food," so they have to insert one food-related joke into this scene. Yeah, uh, you know, classic. I guess that's what Sokka's there for. Um, I don't know if it's ex- I don't know if it's really classic, but we'll go with that. Yeah, I I, I don't know either. But anyway, we see. Uh, okay, the end of season one, uh, we get a, a doll of Admiral Zhao that gets completely decimated. We get uh, you know this giant Ang tearing things apart. I actually thought that it was like a, a pretty creative way that they showed this. Uh, I actually think that the ways that they showed bending and the ways that they showed like this scene in particular were pretty good. Uh, good job on Puyong Tim. Yeah, no, I agree. We have like Ang dressed up as like the blue fish spirit monster stomping on a bunch of toy ships and holding a puppet of Zhao. I thought that was pretty impressive. I don't know why the actress like falls on her face though. As the curtains are closing, she just like falls smack down like Ric Flair falling face first. Yeah, I kind of think that was probably an error. <laughs> is it was it an error? I mean, they animated it, so I don't know if it's like an animation error or. I don't know. Like, I, I think that like uh, it was like the the Ang the actress Ang like didn't mean to trip, and like they were just showing how like bad the production is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Anyway, we get the first intermission, and everyone is complaining about their characters. They're really not happy about it. You know, Katara is upset that she's a preachy crybaby. Um, and, uh, pretty much everyone's upset. Aang's upset that he's uh, a woman. Sokka's upset that all they're talking about is food. And Toph is like, look, uh, this is just the truth up there. Like, if you're sorry, if you're sad about it, then I'm sorry to hear that. But that's just, that's just the truth. Yeah. Toph just basically telling these people they can't handle the truth. And, 
Yeah, and then we get Act 2 and the introduction of Toph, because Toph was talking about how she thinks all their portrayals are accurate, so we'll get into this Toph portrayal here. So the actress for Aang laments she flew all over and couldn't find any anyone to be her earthbending teacher. Then we hear a voice saying, you can't find an earthbender in the sky. You have to look underground. And then the actor playing Toph ascends from underneath the stage and is revealed to be this buff tan man who's like, my name's Toph because it sounds tough. Yeah, the, the only thing they got right, uh, like true to form, is the hair. Uh, the hair they absolutely nailed. Everything else was not exactly accurate, uh, but it doesn't matter. Toph absolutely loves it. Toph thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, Toph is like ecstatic at her portrayal, and she says she wouldn't have cast it any other way and lets Katara know that at least it's not a flying bald lady, much to Aang's chagrin. It, right? Like, so rude. None of these people have <laughs> empathy. I mean, these are these are mean people. Yeah, true. They're just savage today. I don't know why everyone came. Everyone woke up the day of the play and chose violence. Yeah, well, I don't know what uh, what what got in their cereal, but maybe it's just being in the Fire Lord's house. It just like tears families apart. Yeah, true. And um, then, oh, did Oh, I was just gonna say the the way that they have Toph see, I think, was pretty funny as well. Uh, they have instead of Toph using like uh, you know sonic waves from her feet. Uh, the actor just screams extremely loud uh, and then is able to see people. That's got to really like hurt the vocal cords. I hope that this person's got good insurance. That's got to hurt the eardrums of the fellow actors too. Just being like him screaming at the top of his lungs in their faces. I thought, man, if I was in this play, I'd like wear earplugs. <laughs> I'm sure that they are. Uh, I didn't even consider the fact that it's like actually going to harm their ears, but that is pretty funny. Um, anyway, yeah, so it seems like, uh, you know, it's a hazard to work on this play, but, uh, the actor Toph's able to see by screaming, uh, you also have the, like, entire audience, uh, like, freaking out a little bit, which I thought was funny, uh, just because the scream was, like, that loud. Yeah, everyone's pretty much freaking out, except for Toph, who has a big shit-eating grin on her face, so. Yep, Toph loves it. Um, anyway, we get the next scene between Uncle Iroh and Zuko, here they like talk about their hair or something. This this is the scene that I think is the most wrong out of any scene. Um, like they're saying like, oh, your hair is like too much. Uh, the wig that Zuko has is grown. And so then Zuko cuts off Uncle Iroh. Um, I have no idea what was happening there. Yeah, what were they referencing? Were they referencing the moment that Zuko and Iroh decide to go their separate ways, I guess? But then yeah. this is like their inaccurate retelling of it. I think that this is supposed to be the like Zuko alone of it all. The like, I'm going to split up from you. I'm going to go my own way, like do my own thing for a bit. Um, but it just like, it just has nothing to do with his hair. So I don't know. It was a little confusing. It has to be the Zuko alone. That's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to go into more detail on it because I was as confused as you. So. Oh, well. Um, then we see uh, Zuko and we get actress Azula. Azula, I think was like, pretty good azula's character is like pretty close to form they don't really do much uh to like mess up her character that much do you think that puyan tim is just uh scared to mess up azula's character yeah i mean if you mess i thought ozai was decent as well and it's like yeah if he messes up ozai or azula and their portrayals are not done well he's probably getting sent to the fire nation gulag so 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what percent uh, chance do you think that there actually was uh, an Azula or an Ozai attendance during this run? Uh, I think it's like a zero percent chance because they're so busy with the war and stuff and try and capture the avatar. I don't think they visited the play. I don't think Ozai's chilling and is like, hmm, today I'm going to go see a play. Why not? A Sozin's yeah. Comet is coming up pretty soon, but I'm just in the mood for a play. So <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't see Ozai doing that. Azula would be more likely, but I don't think Azula, Azula's right now. She's very unhinged. She's not in the best like place. So I don't think she's visiting any plays anytime soon either. Yep, yeah, no, I agree with that. I think the odds are about 0% chance. Uh, but I think it's funny that they still do give a pretty good portrayal from Azula and mm-hmm. just in yeah. case. Yeah, um, got it. They also did a, a funny bit here where they have Azula surrounded and then the um, like Azula disappears and everyone's like, she escaped, but how? Which is funny because <laughs> they never explain how she escapes in that episode. True. Well, they also, she points out, she's like, Zuko, your honor. And he's like, where? <laughs> Why would you turn around at that? <laughs> uh, it's so dumb, but funny. Yeah, they make people pretty dumb in this show, but uh, what can you do? They got to yeah. move the plot along. True. Um, anyway, then we get to the drill. The drill was one of the most impressive things I've seen. Uh, like the drill actually worked as a drill. Like it was getting smaller as they kept drilling. I have no idea how they got this to work, uh, but it was pretty impressive. Yeah, kudos to like whoever, whatever animator like actually came up with this because it feels like it would be difficult to animate this as well. And it's like, yeah, it's a, the way they do the drill. It's like basically this wooden drill going into a wall and then they have like a stage hand rotating a lever that slowly makes the drill go inward. And yeah, it was very impressive stuff. Yeah, no, it was, it was quite good. Uh, almost as, as impressive as the real drill itself. Yeah, even though they did have two visible, like, stagehands in all black manning the drill, like, still pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they still did a good job. No, I agree. The next thing they get is with Jet, and Jet just, like, goes crazy. Uh, a rock falls on Jet, and Zuko's like, did Jet die? Uh, and they have that joke where Sokka's like, you know, it's not really clear. Um, but I think it's pretty clear, having watched the episode... Like, you know, not too long ago ourselves. I'm pretty sure that he's dead. Yeah, I'm fairly certain he's dead as well. Great. Cool. I agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> not much else to dad there. I nope. mean, yeah, he's just dead. Rest in peace, Jet. Yep. Um, then the next thing we see is the uh, the Zutara, um, the Zutara, like, uh, scene where they're in the, you know, the crystal catacombs in season two. Um, Katara and Zuko are talking about, uh, like how Katara finds Zuko really attractive. And Zuko's like, but you're the Avatar's girl, uh, which, you know, makes some sense in what we've seen. Uh, but with the age difference between the actor Katara and the actor Aang, like it's completely uncomfortable for that to be said. Yeah, no, 100%. You are correct. It's like, it's just weird. It's like awkward. I don't know. I don't like watching their dynamic, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, guitar is, like, a 35-year-old woman, and, like, then, uh, you know, whatever, Aang is, like, a, a 12-year-old woman. Like, it's just it's just not right. Yeah, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Anyway, um, so then they're, uh, they're, you know, talking back and forth. It's too much for Aang to watch. He's not going to be able to watch this uh, for some reason. Uh, so then Sokka wants to get some Fire Flakes. The last time that he had Fire Flakes, I don't think it went very well. 
What happened last time he had fire flakes? Remind me. It was like too spicy for him. Oh, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah, much to Aang's dismay here, the actress says like the Avatar is just like a little brother to her, which causes him to storm off and not want to watch the play anymore. Understandably so. I mean, like I said earlier, this is kind of like character assassination for Aang and Katara. Like, I don't know. It's like almost nothing like them in a way. So, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, then we get another scene where Zuko has to pick between the Fire Nation and the Earth Kingdom. The Fire Nation is Azula, the Earth Kingdom is Iroh, uh, and Zuko's in the middle deciding. Uh, this was a good way of doing the, like, season two decision that he had to make. Uh, however, the, the, you know, pros here left something to be desired. Uh, as he picks, uh, Azula, he says, quote, I hate you, uncle. You smell and I hate you for all time. <laughs> this honestly might be one of my favorite lines of the episode. I don't know why. This had me like cracking up hard. I was just laughing, dying, watching this. I hate you, uncle. You smell and I hate you for all time. I don't know why. That's just too funny. <laughs> I feel like that's like a childlike insult that I would have given when I was like seven. Be like, I hate you for all time. As if like adding the all time to it makes it sting that much worse. Um, is there anything that you hate for all time, Zach? Hmm. Um, well, I was going to do the chalk pick and say that season one episode, but no, there's nothing I really hate for all time. I'm not a hate. I'm not a hater. I'm a lover. So, okay. There's that. Yeah. What about you, Jacob? What do you hate for all time? Oh my gosh. House of Gucci. I don't know. Dune. Uh, okay. Dune, Dune, I will give another chance. Uh, you know, I've had enough people tell me that Dune needs another chance. Uh, I think the thing that I hate for all time is citrus fruit, especially when they put lemon in my water. I hate that for all time. Lemon in your water? Really? What's wrong with that? Well, I just don't like citrus fruits. And so the fact that they want to put it in my water, it just makes like, I like drinking water with my meal, but if they put like lemon in it, then it tastes gross and I don't want to drink it anymore. Damn, you're, you're a hater on lemons. I like lemon water. I think it's pretty tasty. No, I think it smells and I hate it for all time. <laughs> In fact, the next time I go to a restaurant and it's served me, I don't care who I'm eating with. I'm going to tell them and be like, this water smells and I hate it for all time and we'll see what their reaction is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. I can't wait for like some random coworker to just be like, are you good? Like, well, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, so then in this play, Katara asked, or no, in the, in the, in the uh, audience, Katara asked if Zuko said that to Iroh, and then he responds, he might as well have said that, which is kind of depressing. Feel You feel for Zuko in this moment, how he yeah. has all this regret and turmoil from turning on Iroh. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, it is sad, and we don't even get to see the resolution until, like, the very last episode. So, um, you know, we've gone quite a long time without Uncle Iroh. Yeah, kind of sucks. I miss Uncle Iroh, to be honest, in these episodes. Yeah, I agree. Um, anyway, then we see May and Ty Lee. They jump up. They start doing their own thing. Uh, they're like substantially less cool than they are in the actual show. Like May uses a sword, uh, but it like requires a person to like take the person away. Like it requires someone dressed in all black, like a stagehand. Um, and then Ty Lee just like kisses someone, touches someone and they like fall over from love. It seems. Um, and then they do like a pose. It just like, they lose the sort of like coolness factor that they have in real life. 
Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. They just, it was not true to Manti Lee, I guess, in a way. They just, they're not as cool. They're just not as cool at all. Yeah, well, too bad for them. Um, anyway, then Aang goes into the Avatar state. Azula strikes him down. Uh, and the way that they use the like streamer to act as the fire and the lightning bending, I think is really cool. Uh, because like the way that they do the shock uh, makes it look like kind of like a dance scene. And I, I appreciated that. Yeah. What was also funny is Aang comes into frame or the actress for Aang. It says Avatar State. Yip, yip, which I'm 99.9% sure Aang has never uttered those words before in that order. But hey. Yeah. No, definitely not. I mean, that's like a, that's like one of the scenes that's like, um, what's it called? Uh, or it's like one of those lines where it's like words that have never been said before. Yeah. Um, in yeah. That yeah. Order. Yeah, like that had never been said before until it was said on that stage. Yeah, 100%. Um, anyway, we go to a different intermission. This intermission's got to feel like a little bit of a downer because we see Aang uh, supposedly, you know, being killed off. Um, Suki here really rubs it in, though. And Suki's like, you all lose a lot. And it's like, whoa, okay. Like, I don't know. What you're, I don't know what you're doing here, Suki, but that is not the right move. Like, there's no reason. Well, who is Suki to be talking? I mean, she got imprisoned by uh, Azula, so she lost a lot, too. Yeah, and the only time that she's on the stage is when she's not even talking next to Sokka as he's in a dress. Like, come on now. Like, you're not even important enough to get a, a speaking role in the show. Yeah, yeah. We're anti-Suki on this podcast, at least for this one line. Yeah, I actually said. like Suki quite a bit. but No, I, I do, too. And... And Suki redeems herself in about 15 seconds. Yes, and, with well, I know what you're talking about. I'm excited to get into it, yeah. Yeah, uh, we can uh, first go to the scene um, here. But um, yeah, so then before we get to the the part where Suki redeems herself, Katara and Aang are talking a bit. Um, Katara is really upset. He's like, I hate this play. Uh, he's, he's, quite, he's quite upset about it. Um, he even says he'd be in the Avatar state had he not blocked his chakra. Yeah, which it's shocking. Like, this play is so bad, it would put Aang into the Avatar state. Like, that's that's a, that's a monumentally awful play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty bad. It'd be like the destruction of the entire theater over a bad, over a bad like, act. He should never go to high school theater. <laughs> no, 100%. He, he'd be destroying the high school in one fell swoop. Exactly. He'd be like, he'd be like, no, that's out of tune. And he'd just like destroy it. <laughs> Who knew that he was such a harsh theater critic? <laughs> yeah, we got a uh, Ang Ebert over here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know, Ang in a second life. Um, anyway, then Sokka asks Suki, can you get me backstage? And Suki goes into like a really serious tone where she's like, I'm an elite warrior who's trained for many years in the art of stealth. I think I can get you backstage. Uh, and that joke made me laugh out loud. I thought it was quite funny. Yeah, I felt like some of the jokes that were not in the play actually were hitting me harder. Yeah. They, they were I, just funny this episode. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, then we get a nice scene between Toph and Zuko where Toph really shows uh, like a softer side to her. Um, she tells Zuko about the conversation that she had way back in season two with Uncle Iroh, um, saying like, hey, like you might seem like you're not going to be able to redeem yourself to your uncle, but you already have your uncle thinks the world of you. 
And I thought that was really sweet um, that Toph's able to like, you know, take down her hard exterior for a little bit, show how nice she was, uh, and then go right back to punching Zuko on the shoulder. Yeah, this was a very heartfelt, nice and beautiful scene. And I wish we kind of saw Zuko and Toph left alone chatting or like on or having their own storyline like more often in the series, because this is one of the few times we see Zuko and Toph even together. And I feel like that's an interesting character dynamic that isn't necessarily explored. Yeah, I agree. I think that we should have gotten a, a Toph and Zuko story. You know, we got like the Zuko and Aang, Zuko Katara, Zuko Sokka. Like we, we should have gotten the, the Toph one. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But oh, well, the show can't be 100% perfect. Obviously, we're always going to have a couple of issues with it. Yeah, I know. Especially if my issue is I want more of it. Like that's much better for a show for me to be like, oh, like I wish I had extra episodes rather than like, uh, like, oh, this is trash. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, anyway, so then uh, some kid runs up to Zuko and he says, your scar is on the wrong side. Uh, and then he, he like is like, no, it's not. And he gets all upset. What's it right for Zuko to flip out at this kid? Like, Because he could have easily blown his cover if he's like, no, it's not on the wrong side. I don't know. He should have just been like, whatever. Yeah. He should have gotten angry. I, I agree. He shouldn't have been like, no, I am correct. This is the right <laughs> side. I know because I am the crown prince. And it's like, whoa, whoa, I think you took it too far, bud. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, no, uh, he luckily this kid just runs by. This kid's not paying attention anyway. Yeah, true. Um, anyway, so then Sokka and actor Sokka get to have a conversation. And luckily, they seem to really like each other. They seem to hit it off quite well. Um, making jokes with each other. Sokka gives actor Sokka a few ideas uh, and he gives him like a, a few different things that he should be saying. Um, yeah. What, what do you think about his joke uh, here? Maybe I can say it and you can react. What does the cabbage merchant use to fix his cabbages? A cabbage patch. Uh, ha, ha, ha. I don't know. A terrible joke. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I like his other joke where he's like, or it's not even a joke, but he's like, don't be afraid to make up names before an attack. Like flying kickapow. And it's like, what is Sokka like? What is Sokka like an anime character just announcing his attacks before he attacks? Like, what is this? <laughs> See, that is a very Sokka thing to do, though. Like, if anyone's going to announce exactly what they're about to do before they do it, like, it's going to be Sokka who's going to give it away. Yeah, it reminds me of a couple of episodes when he was like about to, Aang was trading and then Sokka came out of the bushes and yelled like, sneak attack and tried exactly. to attack Aang. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so then uh, Sokka says he's just a guy who likes comedy. Uh, then we get one of my least favorite scenes that I've seen in the show. Uh, like Aang is not able to distinguish the fact that something is on stage or something is like Katara's deeply held beliefs. Uh, and he pretty much just like accosts Katara saying like, um, like, oh, you think I'm just a brother to you? Like, I thought we were going to be together after the invasion, but we're not. And Katara is like completely right. She says, we're in the middle of a war. We have other things to worry about. It's like, yeah, that should be the end of the conversation. We're in a war. Agreed. Yeah, we had a, we had a scene last week or la- two weeks ago that made me quite uncomfortable. This scene also made me very uncomfortable <laughs> having Aang basically attribute what the play Katara is saying to what the real Katara said is, believes. And yeah, it's not good. Not a good look here from Aang at all. Honestly, it's really bad, actually. And, uh, yeah, Aang's got to do better here. Honestly, not good. Not good at all. 
Yeah, I was remarkably unimpressed uh, with what Aang was doing here. Uh, then he just decides, like, or she says, I'm confused. Then he kisses her. And it's like, whoa, like, uh, where did he get that signal? Like, this was so far off. Yeah, he plants like this unsolicited kiss on her. Not good. Not good at all. I don't, I did like this scene was just like awkward and like cringe to watch in a way. Yeah, I agree. We really do see like Aang at his lowest, I think, moment here where he just is like so desperate to have Katara reciprocate his feelings that he's just like kisses her. Yeah, gross. Um, anyway, they go in, uh, and apparently they've missed a few of the, the beginning of book three or act three of the play. Uh, Saki catches them up. Uh, apparently we know that Katara was the painted lady. We have the whole sword and combustion man died. Maybe, uh, combustion man definitely died. Yeah. He fell like millions of feet. Almost. I feel like millions of um, feet. Not, not, mil- not millions. Okay. Like hundreds of feet. This, this man fell a hundred thousand miles. Millions of feet. <laughs> okay. My measurements are always a little off. I don't know why I'm not the best at measuring things, but yeah, hundreds of feet to his death. Millions of feet. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why I said millions. It's I, early in the morning for me. Okay. I, I woke up and recorded the podcast. I'm tired still. That's, that's my excuse. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> well, I don't want to fall millions of feet. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, anyway, they're about to start the invasion on the day of Black Sun. And we see this uh, scene between Katara and Aang where Katara is like, I love you like a brother. And that causes, uh, you know, Aang to say, I wouldn't want it any other way. And Aang's just so upset about this. Uh, yeah, Aang, Aang really quite annoys me in this episode. Yeah, true. But this this is probably like one of Aang's worst days ever, just watching this play, having Katara not reciprocate his feelings. Just Aang just not having a good day. Good really? time you think, here. You think this is his worst day ever? Like, he was in the invasion of Black Sun, and he realized he got tricked, like, a few months ago. You don't think that was a worst day? Uh, yeah, that was probably worse. And then getting struck down by Azula was also worse. So this is just one of his worst days, but not his worst. Yeah, this man's had a lot of bad days. True. Kid. Um, anyway, so then they make it... Uh, oh, then Sokka gives a few of his jokes, and they kill with his audience. The Rocky relationship joke is, like, absolutely destroying. He says, slap a pow, and everyone starts laughing. I mean, man, Sokka understands humor. Yeah, Sokka is able to get the audience in an uproarious laughter here. They're just guffawing at every joke he's, he wrote for the Ooh, actor. I like the SAT word. <laughs> Why is um, it an SAT word? I don't know. It's just, it was a fancier word. Oh, true, know. true, true. Um, anyway, uh, so then the Aang actor makes it to the Royal Palace. Uh, but no one's home except for Zuko, who is home and wants to join you. They really yada yada this, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, anyway, they get to the present day and all of the people are like, all right, well, time to leave. Sokka's, you know, ready to, to go home, get some more fire flakes on the way out. Uh, but no, the show is not over. We get one final scene between, uh, Ozai and Azula taking people down. And this was like, this was great. I think that, you know, for all that we've said that this episode was not great, I felt that the ending of the episode really landed quite well, and I really enjoyed it. What were your thoughts, Zach? 
Yeah, I agree. I like this like alternate retelling of what could happen in a near feud in the near future. Yeah. I enjoyed this ending as well. And I I thought they introduced the actor playing Ozai and I thought he might have been the best casting for Puyon Tim this whole play. He kind of looks like Ozai. He has like the same level of gravitas almost in a way. We don't I don't think we have Mark Hamill voicing him here. I could be wrong. I don't think it's Mark Hamill, but No, I, I don't believe that it is. Here I can check real quick though. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, it does not look like it is. Oh, also, I, one other thing that I meant to mention is that, uh, the person that voices Zuko is, uh, Dante Basco's brother, Derek Basco. Oh, cool. That's yeah. dope. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty funny. No, we have D. Bradley Baker, uh, as the actor. He's so versatile. I don't understand how he does this so well. Yeah, man, he's a beast voicing Appa and Momo. And like in um, Phineas and Ferb, his Perry the Platypus is really good too. Yeah. He he also is Boomy and Jet here in this episode, as well as Ozai. Like this man's all over this episode alone. Yeah, D. Bradley Baker. He's a beast of a voice actor for sure. Guaranteed. Um, anyway, so yeah, we do get this like great scene between Ozai and the rest of them where they're saying like, all right, uh, you know, the comet's coming now. No one's going to be able to stop us. So Azula's going to take on Zuko. Ozai's going to take on Aang, which is what ends up happening. And we see this like fight play out in this sort of like bizarro world. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was cool. We see Azula, uh, take down Zuko pretty handedly, actually. Um, Azula takes him down pretty quickly. Uh, and then Ozai is able to take down Aang. Um, Aang pretty quick. He says, no, it is you who are going down. And then <laughs> down. Yeah, that reminded me of like the dream episode. Like, no, it is you who's not wearing pants. I'm actually pretty sure that that is like the exact thing that happens. So, yeah, that's that is a good callback. Yeah, and then we see, like, Aang get hit with this, like, ribbon of flame and then dramatically die. And the crowd gives Ozai and Azula a standing ovation, even though I know they're in the Fire Nation, but it's like Aang and them were the protagonists of the play, and then they just died. <laughs> what a weird play for, like, the protagonists to all die and then for the antagonist to be celebrated. Yeah, although I think that, like, maybe they were seen as, like, bumbling idiots the whole time, and so it's sort of like an anti-hero type thing, so you're happy when they fall, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I, you make a good point, uh, but they definitely are Fire Nation, and so when Ozai has that, like, line at the end where he says, the world is mine, and everyone starts cheering and just going absolutely bananas for uh, for the ending, That's uh, it's a nice place to end it on. Um, then we see Team Avatar, they leave... Uh, everyone's quite annoyed, except, uh, you know, Sokka was impressed by the effects. And to that, I agree. I <laughs> the effects were good. No, I agree. Pooh and Tim did a good job. And Pooh and Tim's like very clairvoyant here. He just knew Azula and Zuko would fight and Aang and Ozai would fight. I don't know how he was able to know that, but. Yeah. You know, he must have asked, uh, he must have asked Ozai. Somehow he had to get some sort of interview with someone in the inner circle. We know he interviewed like Katara or Sokka. Uh, he must have also interv- interviewed like uh, Ozai. So somehow like he was able to uh, get all this information. Yeah. Somehow, some way. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the episode. That's the Ember Island players. What are your overall thoughts on the episode, Jacob? It's fine. You know, it's okay. Um, I enjoyed going through it. Uh, I think there's like lots of fun moments, but ultimately like, I don't know. Um, 
the jokes just don't land. If this episode's going to be effective, it has to be like laugh out loud funny. And there really aren't that many laugh out loud funny parts. So I, I don't know. I'm not super sold on it. What about yourself, Zach? I agree. It's like the jokes within the play did not necessarily land for me. I thought some of the jokes that were not in the play landed for me. Like that moment with Suki and a couple of others that I can't recall off the top of my head right now. But yeah, overall... This episode is just all right. It's not my favorite episode. It's I think we have a lot stronger episodes in season three and season two. And uh, yeah, just okay. Not my favorite episode. The humor didn't necessarily land for me this time. You know, I agree with that quite a bit. Um, cool. Well, anyway, let's jump right into the ranking of it all. Uh, let's get some rankings and get on out of here. Uh, you want to start us off on our episode ranking? As a brief reminder, we give... Rankings between zero and four cabbages every week. We take my score, Zach's score, and the listener's score to get the official Aang in their score. Zach, start us off, please. Yeah, after talking it through, I'm going to give this episode a 3.2 out of 4. So that's still a pass. There still are moments. Like, the play is very interesting to watch. Like, the effects were cool to Sokka's point. And, uh, yeah, overall, I don't know. You know what really brings it down for me? That scene between Aang and Katara. That was like, ah, it was like tough to watch, yeah. to be honest. And I watched the episode twice. And yeah, I, that was tough to watch both times. So that knocks it down a couple notches for me. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a 3.2 out of 4. The listeners are a bit higher at a 3.31, but considerably lower, I think, than like previous episodes we've seen in the past few weeks. Uh, you know what? I, especially that like Ang and Katar scene, I don't really like. I feel like it's not funny enough. I'm going at a 2.9 um, for this episode. Pretty low, I think, for especially a season three episode or a book three episode. Uh, this is going to leave it at a 3.14, just like pie. <laughs> nice. Just like pie. That's dope. Um, but there you go. 3.14 for the episode. No fight to discuss. So really not much more that we need to get through, Zach. Um, yeah, I, I think we actually might be done. Um, definitely write in your feedback for next week uh, as we're tackling the finale. Either finale specific questions, or if you have questions about the series overall, we're happy to de- uh, dive into those as well. Um, I'm super excited to get into the finale though, because a lot of epic stuff coming up ahead of us. Yeah, I'm very excited to get into it as well. And yeah, we're almost done here, Jacob. Two more podcasts and we're over. It's crazy. We're nearing the end of this. I know. Very crazy. You know, when we started, I thought it was never going to end. Uh, it seemed like we had so many episodes, but now we're like uh, like 50-something episodes in. We're almost done. It's uh, quite sad. Yeah, I just have like the ending of My Way by Frank Sinatra playing in my head. I serenaded us last week with it. I'm not going to do it again, but just like the end is near. and We're facing our final curtain. Yeah, well, maybe not the final curtain. That puts that puts like a million uh, foot fall in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a million feet fall. Ay, ay, ay. Um, anyway, yeah, I've, uh, I've had quite a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure we'll have lots of fun in the next few weeks as we wrap up the finale. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all we have for you this week. Anything else for the listeners, Zach? Nope. Nothing else. Peace out, everybody. Awesome. See ya. <laughs>